then get stuck again. So we're going to talk today about how to get unstuck. This is the last uh, sermon, uh, I'll call it in this series of, of being stuck, but, and, and really the bottom line is this sermon could have been the first sermon because this sermon is going to talk about how we got stuck in the first place. I've never really done that yet because there's sometimes you got to just practice things and hear things and allow things to come into your mind and your heart before you can actually hear the truth. Uh, I, you know, it's kind of like if I, if I would have told Miss Abby that I'm going to have her come up in the church one day, a few months after we did that, she might not have ever practiced with me, right? Think about that. And so today we're going to talk about believing in our heart, and it's, it's a heart that's near to God, and it's the only way we can get unstuck, especially spiritually. So this is a little bit of a review, especially for visitors here today, and for us who have been going through the sermon series, it's a review. So, but, but catch what's going on over the last weeks, the key things we've talked about. Number one, getting unstuck. The first thing is, if we live according to the flesh, you will set your mind on the things of the flesh. There's no way around that. And what that scripture is telling us, if we live according to the flesh, if we do fleshly things, sometimes uh, that doesn't relate, but if we do things um, that that are to appeal to me, appease me, they feed my selfishness, it's all about me. If we do those things, those are the things we'll set our mind on. However, the Bible says also, if we live according to the Spirit, we will set our mind on the things of the Spirit. If we set our mind on the Word of God, if we're reading the Word of God, if we're praying, if we're doing the things of God, then then the Bible tells us, God tells us, then we'll start to set our mind on the things of God. Now, doesn't that sound simple, right? I mean, it, shake your head or do something. It, sound, it sounds simple. It, it seems like, well, that's obvious. Well, but is it? Is it obvious? All right, so let's move on. The Bible tells us to throw off, what's that word? Everything that hinders us. Everything. To throw it off. And last Sunday, I took a bottle and just out of, out of impulse, I guess, I threw it across the stage. Why? Because literally that's what it means to throw off. That it's no longer a part of you. You're taking that, whatever it is that's hindering you from being close to God or that's hindering you from getting unstuck. And you literally throw it off. It's no longer a part of you. You, you are intentionally throwing it off. And then the Bible tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. It's not, it's not enough just to throw things off because if you're not careful, you'll bring other things back on <laughs> that might not be of God. So not, not only do we throw things off that hinder us from being unstuck, getting unstuck, but we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We have to be in his word. We need to be praying. We need to seek counsel, whatever the case may be. And then we're to pray. Again, another thing that seems obvious, but... You know, uh, if some of you might remember, this, this prayer, where this came from, was allowing the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, to reveal the Word of God to us. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. See, that's the difference. I'm not saying that, you know, don't pray just to pray. Even if we pray out of obedience, it's okay. But this is the kind of prayer that we are getting, getting closer and closer to God with our heart and by His Word. That literally his spirit is praying, interceding on our behalf. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden our heart's tender to what God wants. And we'll start being able to go, okay, I know this is what God wants. And I need to respond to that. 
And then the Bible tells us to ask, seek, and knock. You know, if God came in through the door right now and he said, you know what, Tony, this is exactly what I want you to do. And he said, this is exactly what I want you to do. And he said, this is exactly what I want you to do. What if I didn't do it? What if I just said, like, no? Who here would do something you felt like God told you to do? uh, Don't raise your hand. Um, I wonder sometimes, because when we get stuck spiritually, I think sometimes, I think sometimes we don't really understand what God really, really wants, or at least we don't think we understand what God wants. Then we need to be obedient. We need to believe in God's promises, and we need to have no shame. You know what? The Bible tells me when I belong to him, which I do, I've repented of my sins. I've asked Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. He dwells within me. The very spirit of Christ dwells within me. There is no shame. You know You know what I mean? And here, in case you don't know what I mean, this is what I mean, because we're fixing to make a transition here to our hearts in Christ. And what does that mean in trust? So listen, here, here's, what, here's what the Bible is saying when there's no shame. When I'm doing the things of God, when I hear God speak and say, and he tells me to do something, again, I make a very simple illustration. Don't steal, Tony. And I'm with some friends or I'm somewhere and, and it's, a, you know, we're at someone's house and there's a plate of cookies on the table. And, you know, I don't ask permission to get the cookies, but I'm really hungry. And, and so I go to take a cookie without asking. Now, this might seem simple to you, but I want to keep it simple. All right, I'm stealing something. If I'm not asking, just because they're there, you don't just take it, right? The next thing you know, the Bible says, don't steal. My friends, they start to go, oh, come on. This is a fellowship. People, they put them out there because they expect it. And they start telling me, it's okay to take the cookie. Go ahead, Pastor Tony, take the cookie. And I notice they're not taking a cookie. They want me to take the first cookie, right? Yeah. But there's no shame. When God tells us to do something, there's no shame. When I say, no, you know what, I'm, I'm not taking it, or I'm not doing it, or I'm not watching it, or I'm not listening to that. I'm not going to participate with that. I'm not going to agree with that funny joke that you think is funny that's not, and it's crude and rude. You get, my, you get my point? And when we do those things that God tells us to do by his word, there's no shame. We can do them with the confidence that we are right with God regardless of what other people might think or say. No shame, no shame. Want us to watch this skit. I think it really illustrates where we're heading. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. (laughs) I have an exercise that I think will really help you. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. All right, well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well... Jesus, I trust Good. you. Yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall okay. back. Woo! Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. 
let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. All right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay, I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. <laughs> Good. Ah! Oh, Jesus, you really caught me! I didn't think you were going to catch me, but you did! Oh, that was great! That was great! You're ready for level two! Level two, here yes. I come, baby! Woo! No. Whoa. Okay, hold it. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes. The okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus. I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. Okay. Here's the transition. There's a way we got stuck in the first place. And that's spiritually stuck. And sometimes when we're, well, most of the times when we're spiritually stuck, we don't really realize it. And this is what we're going to talk about. But the bottom line is, there's a way we got stuck in the first place spiritually. So turn with me in Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 8, I mean 10, sorry, chapter 10. We're going to let the Word speak to us. The Word does much better <laughs> speaking to me than I ever do speaking to myself. Romans 10. I'm reading out a New King James. There are New King James uh, Bibles in the chairs or pull up what, what version you have or or what, uh, whether they have a cell phone or whatever the case may be. Let's look at this. How did we get stuck spiritually in the first place? It says this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So I want us to look at a few things from the scripture, from Romans 10. 
The first thing I want us to look at, how did we get stuck? Well, we get stuck because we allow our heart's desire to fade from God. Now, this is assuming something. This is assuming that if you're listening to me, that you've come to a place in your life where you have repented of your sin and you have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. The Bible calls that, be it Jesus himself said, being born again. So this is assuming that if you're listening to me and you know you're a born-again believer, that you're, you're, you are saved. Uh, there's, there's a little couple of different ways of saying that, but, but if you are, you know it. And if you aren't, listen up. It's, a, it, it, it's the same thing, and hopefully as the Word speaks to you and the Spirit speaks to you, salvation might come to you today. But that's up to God. That's not, that's not up to me or anyone else. But the bottom line is we get stuck spiritually because we allow our hearts to fade from God. And I want, you to, I want to key in on that. We allow our hearts to fade from God. Not just our life, not just ourselves. Not just our preferences, not just our selfishness. All of a sudden we find ourselves where our heart has faded from God. And, and, and we see it's so subtle. It can happen so subtly, just so slowly. Also, Paul talks about being zealous for God, that he knew that they were zealous for God, but it wasn't based on knowledge. And, and he refers to the law. I'm not going to get real deep into this. I've, I've, I've talked about this a couple other times in other sermons. But the bottom line is, what, what's happening here is he's talking to the people of Israel. He's talking to God's people. He's talking to the people that are, if you will, closest to God, God's chosen people, Right? The ones that should have, have a heart for him. In a sense, this might fail in comparison, but in a sense, it's like we have a daughter, Heather. She was up here uh, singing. And, of course, we're very close to Heather and Eleanor, our other daughter, but Heather was here as an as a object lesson, if you will. And we're very close to her, right? We'll always be close to her. You know, but it, just because she's not here right now doesn't mean we're not close to her, right? Okay. But is anyone here as a child or you've had children where you're very close to them, of course, and you love them, but they might do something or you did something that seemed to hurt that relationship with your parents or you ever, anyone ever? No, none of you, really. That's, that's awesome. And just because you do something, just because you get a spanking or just because, you know, you, you might have even uh, some, some anger in your heart toward that person that you love, you still love them, and you still care for them. Have you ever done something or got into tr- uh, trouble for something that you didn't do? How does that make you feel? Angry, yeah, mostly. You want to get back. Well, here's my point. Paul's saying that the people of Israel, God's chosen people, have a zealousness for God. They know who God is. They knew who he was. They were close to God. They knew the word of God. God was their father, still is, but God was their father. They had a very close relationship. That The next thing you know, though, in their zealousness, zealousness to do the things of God, their heart started to fade from God. See, they still did the stuff. They still worshiped. They still read the Torah or the Word. They still, they still did all the God stuff. But yet their heart kept fading and fading and fading from God. And Paul also talks about 
they sought, the people of Israel, they sought to establish their own righteousness. And, and as they sought to establish their own righteousness, it's almost like the video where Kat, that's the name of the, the lady, where Kat said, you know, well, I don't trust you. She was open and honest. I don't trust you in the first place. Well, but Jesus in the skit wanted her to learn to trust. Get that? To learn. To learn. We can't think for a moment this comes naturally. It's the whole point about getting unstuck. See, sometimes when you, when, when you hear someone like me say, get over it, get unstuck, move on. I mean, I mean that with good intentions, and the Bible wants us to do that. God wants us to do that. But the bottom line is, it just doesn't happen naturally. It usually does not happen in a moment of time. It happens as we interact with Christ and the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So grab that, because in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about moving on, though, and not staying stuck, and always having a conversation that's one-sided, kind of like cat in the video. And the next thing you know, she, oh, wait a minute, I do trust you. You caught me. Yeah, I do trust you. Oh, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. And so with zealousness, she kept trying to go, catch me, catch me, right? But the next thing you know, Jesus says in the video, okay. Now, far when when you don't think I'm there, but I am. That's a tough place. And then they got stuck because they didn't submit to God because, again, they knew the Word of God. You know, it'd be like we're reading the Word of God and you feel that the Spirit of God convicts you or, or reveals to you a truth that God wants you to do to get unstuck. Here's what I want you to do, Tony. This, here's what I want you to do, Trish. Here's what I want you to do. Here's my word. My spirit confirms to your heart. Now get unstuck. Move on. Get unstuck. Here I am. And you're not alone. Come on. Here, here I am. And then like Cat in the video, you go, I won't. Now I heard a little bit of gasp, if you will. Not a lot, but I heard it throughout the sanctuary. It's almost like we go, oh, no way. You know, if Jesus did that, I'd do it. You know, boy, I can't believe that. It's only a, it's only a little role acting there. It's just a skit. But, boy, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I, I don't know. But they didn't submit to God, so they stayed stuck. And then they chose to live by the law, which means they chose to live by their own righteousness and to live in the consequence of their choices. Now, here's the transition. I said, we're going to have a transition. Here it is. We'll stay stuck spiritually because we come to a place where we've created our own righteousness. We've made it our right to not submit to God. We made it our right to not be in his word, not listen to what he says. We made it our right not to trust him. And in our mind and now in our heart, suddenly we find ourselves going, but it's okay. But it's okay. And you know what? We actually believe it. Does that make sense? We come to a place where we, we, we believe it, that it's okay. Now, how can that happen? This is the transition. There's two ways, mainly, that can happen to, to someone. Let's continue to read. Go to verse 10. Well, I'm going to back up to verse 9 to put it in context. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. If you declare with your mouth, 
declaration. I hereby declare that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. Declaration. But where am I declaring that? Where is it coming from? My heart. So see, it's not talking about a heart that belongs to the world or a heart that's disobedient to God or a heart that's stuck. This is not what Paul's referring to. He's referring to a heart that has and is in, in submitting to God and submitting to the salvation that he brings. The heart that doesn't say, I, I can live in my own righteousness and I can, I can make up my own rules, now has become a heart that says, God, I trust you. This is a moment of time. It happens in two ways. The first moment is the very first moment when the Word of God had revealed the Spirit, or the Spirit of God revealed the Word of God to me as an example. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I heard those words for the first time. My heart is quickened. The Spirit of God reveals to me I'm a sinner that falls short of God's glory. I mean, for real. And then, all of a sudden, Romans 6.23 comes in, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God. The next thing I know of my spirit, I'm going, whoa, this, this is true. I know it's true, without a doubt. Where am I believing? In my heart. Not that heart. Not the disobedient heart, not the heart that's made up my own rules to live by my own law, to do what I want to do and has hardened toward God, but a heart that, that, that has tuned into God because his spirit and his words talking to me and speaking to me and revealing to me. And then Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Then you will be saved. Then you will be saved. But watch this. Watch this. For it is with your heart that you believe. Not this heart. You've got to really tune in here. I, I think it's deep. I think this is really spiritually deep. And, and you'll miss it if you don't really tune in. Listen, it's not with this heart, your heart, the heart that you made up, God. Your God made up heart. Living by your rules, your ways, that's faded and hardened toward what God wants. But his word and his spirit reveals to me, my, I, am a, I am a sinner separated from him. And, and the next thing I know, the, I realize that the only way to him, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, Jesus. And my heart knows this. My spiritual heart, God is putting that within my spiritual heart. He's awakening my heart, that heart, not that heart. You with me? Okay, all right, important. For it is with your heart that you believe. We don't believe on our own. Now, sometimes, and rightfully so, some people will go, uh, what? We believe because the Spirit of God put the Word of God there for us to believe. It's a spiritual thing. Get what I'm saying? It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing that happens. And so what's happening here is it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, saved. It's like going to court. Anyone here? Well, don't raise your hand. Anyone here go to court? Anyway. Um, but if you've gone to court, 
or a courtroom or some, I'm sure most of us have for something, not personally, maybe, or family or whatever. It don't, don't matter. But you go to a courtroom and what are, what are you? All of a sudden, you're going there because you've done something wrong. And there's going to be some kind of sentencing that's going to be done. That's going to, that, that you have to pay the penalty for what you've done wrong. So you go in the courtroom and the judge goes, you did this. Here's the penalty. Boom. And the gavel goes down. It means done deal. You can leave now with whatever the consequences were, fine, jail time, whatever. You with me? Same is spiritually. But God is the judge. And as we go before the Lord God, we go before him, a sinner. And we are in the courtroom. And, I mean, God could ask us, you know, Tony, are you a sinner? Oh, yes, sir. I mean, not one of us would say, oh, no, <laughs> right? Tony, are you a sinner? Yes. Do you realize I am a holy God? Yes. And do you realize that you fall short of my holiness? Yes. I mean, I, what, what else would I answer? Yes. And just before the gavel goes down, that's going to be a judgment on my sin. That's going to separate me forever from God eternally. Jesus steps in, stands beside me, and says, Oop, before you pass judgment, Father, he belongs to me. He belongs to me. He, Tony has repented of his sin. It means he has turned from living this life to coming and living this life, putting his trust in me in his Savior. And as, as the Lord Jesus became the bridge to reconcile me back to God, through him, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The gavel by God will come down on me one day. It has already been down, but it will come down again on judgment day. Boom. Not guilty. Not guilty. It, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And with your mouth, here we go. With your, this is a long transition, isn't it? We're still transitioning, but watch. But with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now, there's not two ways to be saved, but there's and there. Did you notice that? See, if I come to a place where the Spirit of God reveals the Word of God to my heart, that I am a sinner separated from Him, and I, in my own free will, choose to put my trust in him, to repent and believe and choose to trust Christ as my Savior. Here we go. I now become unstuck from a lost world. But what the word is saying is your actions will prove it. Your actions will prove it. I'm not saying we got to do good works to be saved. I'm not saying that we're perfected once we're saved. But I am saying, if we look at this scripture, for it is written, with your heart that you believe and are justified, you're saved. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Those two things to go together. The Spirit of God is not going to come into me and enter into me and save me and me not know it, number one. The Bible says, that our very salvation is revealed by the Spirit of God. But number two, our actions will show it. 
You understand? Our actions will show it. We'll actually have a response like cat. Cat, that, that illustration of that skit could be similar. You know, all of a sudden she goes, you know, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Uh, and then all of a sudden she sees that Jesus caught her, but then ultimately she says, no, I will not trust you. So did she ever trust him in the first place? Probably not. Okay, so we got that. Let's read a little more. Let's go to verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Unstuck. It's the only way it's going to happen. Are you a born-again believer that has found yourself stuck spiritually? Or are you someone that has been living in the world, making up your own rules? Trust in yourself. Whatever the case may be, it's only God that can get us out spiritually, period. We got to stop believing we can get ourselves out. We got to stop believing that it's just okay. And these are not words of condemnation. God doesn't give us words of condemnation. They're words of conviction. They're words of discipline. They're words of love and grace. And sometimes we just live in this world and, and you know, it's just, it's just okay, we say. And I know that's hard. People don't. I mean, I don't want to hear it, but if I can just be transparent, people don't want to hear this as a general rule. You know, as a pastor, I, I come across a lot of people, and, and they, they people that seek counsel or people that seek direction. And, and a lot of times when you take the Word of God and you, you lay it on a table and you say, here it is, you read what God wants for you to do. A lot of times they just read it and they go, I can't. I can't. I'd rather stay stuck. I want to, if you will, close this morning with a thought. And I'm going to take a quick drink of water. With this thought. You know, I, I try to be very transparent. Because I'm no different than anyone else. But the bottom line is this. Listen. God has put within me to be an equipping pastor to share sermons such as this. Because I've literally have walked with hundreds of people. Hundreds. Over the years. That were ending the days of their life. Or families. Now, just just hear me out. And I can't tell you how many times, which is the vast majority of times, either the person that's passing or the family 
they just have so many regrets. If I only would have, if I only would have did this, if I only would have said that, if I, if I only wouldn't have listened, if I only wouldn't have made my own righteousness, if I only wouldn't have faded from God, if I only, if I only, if I only, and I hear it, and I hear it, and I hear it. That's why I'm so passionate and forthright when I preach. I feel like I'm preaching what God wants me to. I'm preaching his word, his truth. So it's not me, but he uses people, right? He wants to use us. He wants to use our gifts. Why am I so passionate? Why do I seem so forward sometimes? Because I see what it's like when you stay stuck. I see what it's like at the end of a life when, we, when all of a sudden we realize we trade all of that garbage, all those bad relationships, all those bad things we said, all those things we did in disobedience to God, we could trade it off. We could just have a second chance. We would. I'm telling you, we would. And so God says, but here it is. You don't, you don't have to stay stuck. What are you doing? Move from here. And I know it's not easy. We, we look like cat. We go, we go, but Jesus, I don't see you. I can't. You don't understand. Some say I won't, and they won't. That's another sermon for another day. But what God says to us this morning, but I'm there. Do you trust me? I've given you my spirit and my word. I've revealed to you I am there. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you give me that bad relationship? Will you give me that unforgiveness? Will you give me that hurt and that pain? Listen, 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 listen. Sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, and it's like this line gets drawn, and we've approached it how many times now? How many times have we come to this place with the same same issue or maybe same thing but different angles, and we come and we just go... Today's the day, I'll trust you. Today's, I'm moving on. Today's the day. But I won't. So, I ain't going to leave you hanging. <laughs> I won't leave you hanging. Okay, watch. So, how do we get unstuck today? How do we cross the line, no matter where you're at? And I'm not talking again in your entire life or it happens overnight. I'm not saying in a moment of time, although it could. Right? By the grace of God, he I mean, he could heal. He could whatever he wants to do. Here's what you do. Take one thing if you need to. Something is hindering you from trusting God. And I can only imagine, as I look at my own life when I get stuck, first I got to look at prayer, and I got to look at being in his word. I can almost guarantee you, if you're stuck in something and you've been, you've been stuck there, you're not in his word. You're not seeking him. Some might say, but I have been diligently. I've been seeking him. I've been, I've been asking him. And, I've been, and then I'll say this to you. God promises if we ask, seek, and knock, we will receive. He will give. He will open doors. So all I can say is if you've diligently been seeking God and you're still stuck, probably you're not listening or doing what he said. Right? Fair enough? 
then secondly, we got to physically take whatever that is that has us stuck and remove it. And you don't do that out of emotion and a heart. Like if I think Trish, Trish has me stuck, I don't just go, get out of here. See ya. That's my wife, Trish. I would never, right? That's not what I mean. I mean by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, God will reveal to us those things to do to get rid of. For most of us, it's what we see and what we hear. The things we see are keeping us stuck. The things we hear, the drama, whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, we need to get rid of those things, and then we're almost there. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Today's the day to get unstuck. We either trust him or not. Who's a picture person? They, they really learn a lot by looking, by seeing. Raise your hand if you're a picture person. Is that video still kind of in your mind? <laughs> it is mine. When Kat just went, and I won't. I'm going, ah, what is that? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day that you've given us, a time to, to reflect, to to know that you are God, that you do love us, and that your grace is sufficient. And Father, we're praying and we're claiming in the name of Jesus, knowing that your grace, your love, your salvation, your justification has come upon many in this room. May it be so as we seek you, as we allow your spirit to reveal the truth in your word, and we're obedient to that to your word, that truly we might be unstuck today. We will trust you. We will obey you. All the hurt, the pain, all the stuff, even our own righteousness may be gone and given to you. May we be unstuck today that not only would we have freedom, but those around us would have freedom. In relationships, they're so small when it comes to problems, the little things we, get, we argue over, the things we become angry about, the unforgiveness we hold is so small in the grand scheme of things. Jesus, you, you experienced all that stuff, and yet you still went to a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. I think we hear that so much, I don't know if it, if we faded from knowing the reality of that. I pray for, for those in a room that don't know you. That they would come to a place where they realize they are a sinner separated from you. It's only by your word they can know. And as you reveal to them that you are the bridge, the way, the truth, and the life. May it be so this morning. May it be said that salvation comes to your house today that that person would repent and put their trust in you as their Savior.